Welcome to the Servative Hour, an anti-conservative movement, call-in talk radio show. I'm Brian Mary, host of the Servative Hour, and the topic for this May 3rd, 2022, is the May 10th, 2022, statewide primary and general elections, although I will mainly be talking about the Lancaster County ballot since this show is broadcasting live out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Concerning the topic of the day, which so many are talking about, which I, well, along with the primary results, might get to next week, I did post, conservatives are now caught between denying they've outlawed it and cursing whoever leaked it. Posted that 19 hours ago. The Nebraska primary election is Tuesday, May 10th. And I have from 1011now.com. It says, we sent questionnaires to each candidate in the race below. Read more about them and where they stand on the biggest issues facing Nebraskans. And I will get to that. It has five categories. First, congressional district, governor, state executive offices, state legislature, and Lancaster County offices. See, uh, May 9th is the last day for early voting in person at the election commissioner's office. can do that 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., each day before then, weekdays, I, I assume. Then the uh, May 10th, Tuesday, May 10th, is the statewide primary election, and that's uh, polls will open at 8 a.m. and close at 9 p.m. And then the results will be announced. From the sample ballot, have a congressional ticket with a number of names there. On the Republican side, the main one to watch, the one which will probably win, would be Mike Flood. Jeff Fortenberry still on the ballot, but uh, no longer running. Then the Democratic Party congressional ticket would probably be probably be Patty Panzing Brooks who will win. And uh, continuing with the Democratic Party ticket uh, mm -hmm. for governor would probably be Carol Plud. And. 
that's often why for the Democratic primaries there's not a lot of uh, suspense seeing who will win and some of the offices even have no one running for example have uh, for Secretary of State, for Treasurer, for Attorney General, Auditor of Public Accounts, no one running. Uh, for the uh, Public Defender, though, have Christy Egger and Joe Nig Nigro. And... Uh, I see Joe Nigro has the uh, endorsement of Lancaster County Democrats from the handout, uh, from the mailing they sent out, so he would probably be the one to win. Uh, many Democrats have registered as Republicans for the primary because... Often, whoever wins the Republican primary goes on to win the general election. This being such a Republican conservative state. And so we'll probably concentrate a little bit more on that. Have uh, a story about those who joined the Nebraska GOP one month before the primary from nebraskapublicmedia.org. Nearly 6,000 voters joined Nebraska GOP one month before primary. It's by Will Bauer and uh, Jackie Boreda from uh, Nebraska Public Media. And the date on this just came out today, uh, or yesterday actually, May 2nd, 2022. Nebraska's Republican Party gained another 5,969 voters in April, according to new numbers from the Nebraska Secretary of State's office. Those nearly 6,000 voters appear to be coming from some of the state's Democratic and Independent Voters. From April to May, Nebraska lost 3,514 Democratic voters and about 2,083 nonpartisans, marking the second straight month where Nebraska Republicans have gained voters. And while those numbers don't perfectly add up to what the Republicans have gained, many appear to be switching to vote in the tightly contested governor's race. Quote, Unlike when Republicans left their party after insurrection and never came back, Democrats temporarily left hoping to stop the worst of the radical Republicans, said Jane Cleve, the chairwoman of the Nebraska Democratic Party. Quote, We are confident they will be back as Democrats after... Democrats the day after the primary, end quote. I did not switch my registration, although 
It does seem like that would have been a good thing to do. I believe for me. Oh well. Uh, polls indicate it's a three-way race between Jim Pillen, Charles Herbster, and Brent Lindstrom, who all poll in the 20s. Teresa Thibodeau consistently polls in the high single digits. The polling also reveals as much as 24% of GOP voters are undecided. The state GOP closed off its primaries this year in order to cast a ballot in the Republican primary. Nebraskans must be registered with the party. In 2014, the last time there was a tightly contested race, six Republican candidates appeared on the ballot for the governor's race. Four of them were contenders and got more than 10% of votes. Governor Pete Ricketts came out on top with 27% of the party's vote. John Bruning finished in second place with 25% of the vote, and uh, which is a margin of 2,347 votes. Ricketts won the GOP nomination with uh, 58,671 votes. And then it's got a graph to show the raw monthly change in Nebraska voter registrations from April to March 2022, and adds that the primary will be held Tuesday, May 10th. Some other news from KPVI, Channel 6, news that works for you. Brad Ashford's endorsement of Lindstrom highlighted in attack ads. It's by Sarah Gensler of the Omaha World Herald, May 3rd, 2022. The name of Brad Ashford, a prominent figure in Nebraska politics who died last month after battling brain cancer, has appeared in efforts to malign GOP gubernatorial candidate state senator Brett Lindstrom. The two-term state senator from Omaha has increasingly become the target of attack ads, some funded by third-party groups, as the increasingly bitter and tightly contested Republican primary contest inches closer to Election Day, May 10th. Anne Ashford isn't offended or surprised that her late husband's name has been invoked as part of the melee, but she's disheartened by what it symbolizes about today's pol politics today. Brad Ashford was elected to Nebraska legislature and U.S. Congress. He changed party affiliation four times, was elected to office as both a Republican and a Democrat, and won the respect of leading figures in each party. Ashford had endorsed both Lindstrom and Senator Carol Blood, a Democrat in Nebraska's gubernatorial primary races. Quote, He felt very comfortable in endorsing either one of those two as being a good steward and a good governor for Nebraska, and that they would represent Nebraska's interests and represent all individuals in Nebraska 
rather than just those within their party, Anne Ashford said. She said her husband was a registered Democrat and cast his primary ballot before he died. Only registered Republicans can vote in Nebraska's Republican primary. Since Ashford's death, April 19th, his name has appeared on mailers funded by the Political Action Committee Conservative Nebraska and text messages from another PAC, Political Action Committee, say no to rhinos, an acronym for Republicans in name only. The consistent theme of attack ads that target Lindstrom, he's not conservative enough. They've ramped up in recent weeks and usually cite as evidence specific votes he has taken as a lawmaker and sometimes a few endorsements. Some voters received mailers mentioning Ashford's endorsement just a few days after his death. Some received text messages April 28th. Quote, Democrats are supporting rhino Brett Lindstrom for governor, a text message read following an emoji of a rainbow flag, which traditionally symbolizes LGBTQ pride. The mailer and text messages listed Lindstrom's endorsements from Ashford and former Senator Bob Crist of Omaha. Crist served in the legislature as a Republican and changed his party registration to Democratic when he challenged Governor Pete Ricketts in his 2018 re-election race. The text message also included Lindstrom's endorsement from, quote, the Leftist Teachers Union, end quote, a reference to the Nebraska State Education Association, and the mailer included that state Democratic Party chair, Jane Klebe, had given shout-outs to his running mate, Dave Rippey, on Twitter in the past. Rippey, who lives in Hastings, previously served as Ricketts' state director of economic development. Lindstrom campaign spokesperson Pat Truman said in a statement that Ashford was a, quote, good man committed to bringing the partisan divide committed to bridging the partisan divide and strengthening our community. End quote. Quote, Disparaging the dead is always wrong, but it's particularly heinous to use Brad Ashford's good nature and bipartisanship to score cheap political points, he said. But Ann Ashford sees the use of his name differently. Quote, It saddens me that Pete Packs, especially these dark money packs, use these and is characterized always as dog whistles, that somehow the other party or any support from individuals outside of your party is somehow demonic and should disqualify you, she said. Ashford is no stranger to politics herself, having run as a Democrat to represent Nebraska's 2nd Congressional District in 2020. She lost in the primary. Brad Ashford angered some Democrats when he went on to endorse Republican Representative Don Bacon that year, Ashford said, but she doesn't recall his endorsement being used in this manner to say that Bacon shouldn't be the Republican candidate because he had Ashford's backing. Quote, My husband's legacy is that you represent everyone, Ashford said, 
the voters who vote for you are not just in your party, and that you better darn well be willing to work with everyone where there's a good idea to get it across the finish line, or you're still going to be sifting, sitting there in a futile endeavor. End quote. Conservative Nebraska, the group behind the mailers and other anti-Lindstrom ads, originally targeted Conklin Company CEO Charles W. Herbster, but has more recently shifted to target Lindstrom. Public filings show that the group is primarily funded by Ricketts and his father Joe Ricketts. Governor Ricketts has endorsed Jim Pillen, a hog producer and University of Nebraska regent in the race, and has personally echoed similar criticisms of Lindstrom. The governor gave $500,000 to the PAC March 14th, and the elder Ricketts gave $100,000 March 8th. Since then, the governor has donated another $775,000, and Joe Ricketts has donated another $50,000. A handful of other donors gave between $500 and $2,500. A nonprofit that previously targeted Lindstrom, Restore the Good Life, gave $100,000 in all. The PAC has reportedly has reported spending nearly $562,000 opposing Lindstrom, all after April 5th, and nearly $570,000 opposing Herbster largely before April 6th. Restore the Good Life is the only funding source reported by Say No to Rhinos, the group behind the text message, and other anti-Lindstrom efforts. Andrew Legrone, a former state senator, is listed as Say No to Rhinos treasurer, and property at the group's listed address is owned by Legrone and Senator Julie Slama, who are married. Ick. Ricketts appointed Legrone and Slama to the legislature following the 2018 election. Slama went on to win a contentious election to keep her seat in 2020, while Legrone lost to Senator Jen Day. A public filing for the group includes two donations worth a combined $150,000 from Restore the Good Life for reporting period January 1st to April 25th, and about $149,000 spent to oppose Lindstrom. With a week left until Election Day, Ricketts' candidate of choice announced an endorsement from a prominent political figure who has switched political parties, Douglas County Attorney Don Klein. Klein, who was one of the state's highest-profile Democrats until he switched parties in October 2020, He's held office since 2007 and left the Democratic Party after its state central committee passed a resolution criticizing him. He said he was supporting Pillen because, quote, he understands that public safety and the safety of the citizens of the state of Nebraska is the most important thing in the role of government, end quote. He'll be a, quote, law and order governor, Klein said. Protecting Nebraskans who support law enforcement. Pillen's running mate is former U.S. Attorney Joe Kelly. Truman, with Lindstrom's campaign, called attention to Klein's past in a statement after the endorsement. Quote, 
Justice Pete Ricketts welcomed Don Klein into the Republican Party. Brett welcomes his new supporters, he said. Pillen did not offer a straight answer when asked how this endorsement from someone who has switched parties in the past is different from the endorsement of an opponent who has been criticized for the same. Quote, I'm just 100% focused on today and the next seven days and focused on meeting Republicans earning their vote eyeball to eyeball, handshake to handshake, shake, and I focus on today, not last year, he said. I guess also not focusing on answering the question. But Klein pointed to the value of a governor who represents more than the party line. Quote, I don't have any doubt that Jim Pillen and Joe Kelly are going to be in the governor's office for all Nebraskans, okay, no matter who they are or what party they're in or what part of the state they live in, he said. And that article can be found under the headline, Brad Ashford's Endorsement of Lindstrom Highlighted in Attack Ads. That could be found on kpvi.com, although it looks like it was originally in the Omaha World Herald. Phone number here is 402-474-5086. This is a call-in talk radio show. If you'd like to call in, give your opinions about the primary, the candidates running, the issues to be decided upon. There's the uh, Nebraska governor, congressional first district, uh, Nebraska legislature, Lower Platte South Natural Resources District. That's something where I always uh, get a lot of help from having a cheat, cheat sheet to let me know who the party is backing. Of course, I'm sure the Republican Party also has on their website some sort of a listing of their favored candidates. And uh, then there's the Southeast Community College Board of Governors. And, uh, you yeah, things like that. I like to have a little help in uh, knowing what uh, political party and uh, governor governing philosophy they adhere to. And the 2022 Give to Lincoln season of giving is here. Starting May 1st, a couple of days ago, you can visit KZUM.org, KZUM.org, and make a donation to support community media in Lincoln. And your donation will go far, with a percentage matched by the Give to Lincoln Fund pool. Our fund drive has oh, our fund drive starts May 9th, but you don't have to wait to get KZUM a big piece of the pie. Visit KZUM.org. Uh, starting a couple days ago. On uh, May 1st, it did start and is ongoing now. And thank you for your support of KZUM. And this is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD 89.3 FM, KZUM.org online, broadcasting live from Lincoln, 
Nebraska. And the groove machine will be on at midnight. It follows the servitive hour and um, will be on until 2 a.m. And it is a program of Christian rock music. The weather is now 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And a low tonight of 42 degrees. Tomorrow, uh, cloudy, then off and on rain showers during the afternoon hours with a high of 57 degrees. And the topic is uh, the May 10th, 2022 statewide primary and general elections. Have some more primary news. <coughs> Nebraska Democrats question Sarpy County early voting numbers ahead of primary. The deadline to request an early ballot just came to a close. Okay. And that's from uh, KETV.com, which has a video that starts playing when you click on their page. And this is by uh, Michelle Bandor, reporter. Omaha, Nebraska, the state Democratic Party chair questions if its newly appointed Sarpy County Election Commissioner, Emily Ethington's inexperience or something else when it comes to a low number of early voting ballot requests. Republican Governor Pete Ricketts appointed her in fall of 2021. Ethington declined an on-camera interview, saying she was too busy but offered to answer questions via email. Quote, One thing we've heard from voters in Sarpy County is that they are very confused, Nebraska Democratic Party Chair Jane Klebe said. Ethington is facing criticism from the state Democratic Party over early voting ballots. Klebe is wondering why Ethington isn't being proactive about encouraging the practice. Quote, the election commissioners in Lancaster and Douglas have been very good about having a permanent vote-by-mail list sending out regular communication to voters on how they can vote by mail. The Sarpy County Election Commissioner has not, Klebe said. <clears throat> in an email, Ethington said Sarpy County historically does not send out early voting ballot applications. Quote, this has not been the practice. Sending early voting ballot applications doesn't give more people a chance to vote, Ethington wrote. KETV Newwatch, Newswatch 7 asked Ethington what she has done to inform voters they can request an early ballot. Quote, First, an early ballot application ran in the general election Sarpy County newspapers. Then, in early April, the Sarpy County Election Commission issued a press release specifically about early voting to the media, including KETV, 
which was also shared with the public on the county's website and on both the county's and election commissioner's social media channels, including Facebook, Twitter, and Nextdoor. Nextdoor. I haven't heard of Nextdoor. That release included key dates and information about early voting. KETV's own online coverage includes links to the Sarpy County Election Commissioner's website, which has an early voting ballot application right at the top of the page. Ethington responded in writing. Okay, so did uh, release the information to the media, but did not mail out anything to voters. Quote, A Republican mantra is that they do better when there are fewer voters voting by mail and there are more voters going to the polls, and Democrats believe we do better when more people are voting by mail, Klebe said. KETV investigates discovered early voting is down in Sarpy County by about half as compared to the 2018 gubernatorial primary. Then, voters cast 8,594 early ballots. This time around, it's down to 4,765. Just last week, the county touted its growing population and a record 121,686 registered voters for this primary, more even than the 2020 presidential primary, which was 115,141 registered voters. <clears throat> Quote, Early voting has been part of the Nebraska election system for decades. I am confident Sarpy County's entire election process is secure and following all state and federal election laws. Ethington wrote. Now that the May 2nd deadline for early voting requests has passed, voters who don't already have an early ballot in their hands can only vote in person at the election office or their polling place. Ethington also responded to why she has declined several on-camera interviews for KETV news stories. Quote, As the Sarpy County Election Commissioner, my job is to conduct the elections in Sarpy County in accordance with all state and federal election laws. With less than two weeks until the primary and two months until the special election, my focus is on preparing for and conducting those elections. Much of that work involves communicating directly with Sarpy County voters. My staff and I are available to the public in person, via phone, or by email from 8 a.m. to 4.45 p.m. Monday through Friday to answer questions or address concerns. I am happy to answer any and all questions from KETV. I just ask that we conduct those interviews in writing to allow me more time to work directly with Sarpy County voters. Unquote. No one from Sarpy County Republican Party returned messages to participate in the story. The executive director of the Nebraska Republican Party, Taylor Gage, said in an email, quote, This old news is being pushed by liberal Democrats and the media just to make Republicans look bad. 
Well, and according to Eppington, they are there sitting in their office waiting to take phone calls or emails. They're just not doing any outreach, actually, to voters. So that's why she's so busy, her and her staff, sitting in the Election Commission office, just waiting for anyone to call with any questions or send her any emails that she might respond to. Can't possibly, uh, you know, do any on-camera interviews. That might let people know that uh, there's voting that they could be doing. Better keep that quiet. You want to suppress the vote? Oh, yes, yes. They're getting rid of this page. TV personalities want to talk. That is something, the voter suppression. We'll look at some of the, uh, from the uh, 1011now.com, learn about the candidates, the first congressional district race. And it has the names of the various people. First, we'll look at uh, Patty Panzing Brooks, the uh, political party Democrat, running for 1st Congressional District, the seat which uh, Jeff Fortenberry sat on for so long. And of the questions, I think I will just go to... uh, All right, here's something that relates to the last story. Do you believe Nebraska's elections are free, fair, and secure? Quote, I have complete faith in our Nebraska elections. We must take every measure necessary to ensure that this remains the case, not only in Nebraska, but across the country. I believe Congress needs to take steps at the national level to protect future elections and ensure the right to vote for all our citizens. Okay, now take a look at, uh, (coughs) let's see, Mike Flood. I think he gave a fairly mainstream answer to that, mainstream for Republican Party. Do you believe Nebraska's elections are free, fair, and secure? Quote, I understand the concern that many Nebraskans hold that the 2020 election was stolen. Really? How can you understand that? Anyway, goes on to say, I trust Nebraska's election system, but think we should always act to increase security and be vigilant. That's why I support voter ID. Okay, well, as long as he doesn't support state officials being able to throw out any election that they don't agree with the results of by uh, claiming all sorts of made-up stuff, justify doing that, which I believe is the case with some of the other people running. Let's see, we'll look at uh, Curtis Huffman, Republican. And, um, <coughs> oh, wait, I'll look at another one here. John Weaver, okay. Because Huffman is actually fairly sensible in what he says. John Weaver says, Do you believe Nebraska's elections are free, fair, and secure? Yes, but to make them even more secure, I would 
author legislation that would secure our borders, build a wall, and establish a national voter ID. We need a national voter ID system. Okay, I spent 22 years defending our American way of life, and when in Congress, I will continue with this with an ID system. And, and I guess, a border wall, which uh, I guess would help make Nebraska's election, Nebraska's election more free, fair, and secure. I don't know. Anyway, that's what he says. And then uh, Threena Conley, Republican Party. Do you believe Nebraska's elections are free, fair, and secure? Quote, No, there have been many instances where there were witnesses and reports of security issues within our own election system, and it just gets brushed aside. Okay. Cuckoo. Can I do that? Cuckoo. Yeah, I can't make a cuckoo noise. Anyway, cuckoo. That's, that's my opinion of that. So... And, of course, in the governor's race, learn about the candidates, see that uh, Charles Herbster did not respond to the questionnaire. It says, uh, Charles Herbster, political party Republican, candidate did not respond to survey. Okay, well, look at the uh, political party Democrat uh, running for governor, running in the primary, Carol Blood. And uh, what she has to say about uh, yeah, uh, do you believe Nebraska's elections are free, fair, and secure? She says, based on the data and science provided by our Secretary of State's office and our local election commissioners, I do believe our elections are free, fair, and secure. And um, <coughs> we'll try Breland Ridenour, someone who uh, doesn't have any chance, actually, uh, of winning the primary, but uh, we'll see what he says about that, just to get the uh, cuckoo response. Do you believe Nebraska's elections are free, fair, and secure? Quote, it has been proven that there are multiple vulnerabilities in our local election system. Identifying and fixing all these vulnerabilities is a critical priority for me. Nebraskans are losing faith in our election system for good reason, and we need to ensure that integrity is maintained for all political parties. Now, Herbster didn't respond, but we kind of know how Herbster felt about this from uh, some comments he's made when it comes to accepting the results of elections. From examiner.com, Herbster was schmoozing with Trump team January 5th through 6th as they detailed plans to overturn election. Text messages show what happened in his own words. It's by Aaron Sanderford from, Mar from February 25th, 2022. And <clears throat> says, uh, three minutes after rioters pushed past police lines west of the U.S. Capitol last January, Charles Herbster received a text from a campaign staffer in Nebraska telling 
him, the Capitol was locked down. Quote, Thank you, Herbster replied at 2.14 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from a Secret Service motorcade near the White House. A minute later, he wrote, quote, I was expecting as much. Herbster, a leading candidate for Nebraska's governor who touts his ties to Trump, spent much of January 5th through 6th, 2021, with then-President Donald Trump's inner circle, including his sons, the Conklin CEO, who donated $1.3 million to Trump's presidential campaigns, knew more about the run-up to the January 6th protests than he has previously acknowledged. Herbster has declined repeated requests since January 2021 to detail what he did and saw in Washington on those days, including three requests this month from the Examiner, one as recently as Monday. On Thursday, when the Examiner's story about was about to publish, Herbster's campaign offered an interview in the coming days if the Examiner delayed the stories. Immediately after the riots, the Herbster campaign did confirm to the Omaha World Herald and Lincoln Journal Star that Herbster had attended the Electoral College rally Trump held at noon that day on the Ellipse, just south of the White House. And uh, <clears throat> Herbster was at the Ellipse by, by mid-morning on Wednesday, January 6th, based on text he exchanged with the staff, a fan of her of Herbster's photographed him wearing a VIP tag. The MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell was seated nearby. And uh, the night before, Herbster, Lindell, and other donors joined a who's who of Trump confidence in the president's private residence at Trump International Hotel. Herbster and donors used various social media platforms to drop names of key leaders in the meeting, Herbster in a Facebook post name drop some of the big wigs, and so you've got uh, Eric Trump, uh, Don Trump Jr., uh, David Posse, uh, Corey Lewandowski, uh, General Michael Flynn. Anyway, all of the conspiracy. Oh, Mayor uh, Rudy, New York former Mayor New York New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And uh, the my pillow. You got all the all the conspirators there at uh, the Trump residence the night before, and also at the rally. And Herbster made a getaway uh, with uh, the entourage to uh, CPAC in uh, Florida. Let's see, <clears throat> we'll just. Uh, and a staffer composed uh, something for him to send out. Oh, well, I'll just skip that. So I'm scrolling down here. Okay, uh, Trump, who endorsed Herbster in October, has largely backed candidates who support his re-election or support his rejection of the 2020 election results, according to regional political consultants and a local political science scientist who spoke with the examiner. Herbster and his team were pressing for Trump's support during the Washington visit. And, uh, let's see. 
Quote, no way we can really know. Herbster's campaign told the examiner last week that he had not been called to testify before the select committee in Congress investigating the January 6th riots. When he announced his run for governor in April, Herbster said he still didn't know who had won the 2020 election. Quote, there's no way we can really know that because none of the states would look at those irregularities, Herbster told Omaha's KMTV. Quote, if it's the difference between being disloyal to President Trump or becoming governor of Nebraska, Herbster told the crowd at his announcement, quote, I will not be disloyal to the 45th president. So it kind of announces that he will be disloyal to Nebraska before he would be disloyal to the Donald. On Thursday, Herbster reinforced his views, quote, I love, I love what Donald J. Trump did as our 45th president of the United States. He told a group gathered at Omaha's VFW Post 2503. Herbster was accompanied by Kellyanne Conway, whom he called his, quote, national campaign manager. She led Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. Herbster is scheduled to speak Sunday on a panel in Orlando, Florida at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Some of Trump's supporters defend what happened on January 6th, while other Republicans have criticized the violence and destruction of property. The RNC passed a resolution earlier this month describing what happened as, quote, legitimate political discourse. RNC leaders later said they were referring to the peaceful protests. And... Five hundred and thirty-nine days later, Trump still can't report actual voter fraud. This was originally in the Washington Post, reprinted here in GoodWordNews.com from a week ago. Any Donald Trump interview includes a number of false and dubious claims. Rarely, however, does Trump offer claims as dubious or as clearly false as the one he made in his high-profile Fox Nation interview with Piers Morgan. Quote, Frank Sinatra said the best revenge is massive success, Morgan told Trump in the first episode of Piers Morgan Uncensored, adding, quote, Is this your best revenge, rather than constantly talking about the last election? Unquote. Quote, I don't talk constantly, Trump replied, accusing Morgan of bringing up the subject. I don't talk about it much. Trump is actually talking about his allegations that the election was constantly stolen. He held a rally in Delaware, Ohio, over the weekend at which a reporter noted he had brought up the subject, quote, several times. There are myriad examples of his impromptu speech at an event at Mar-a-Lago, where Trump suddenly begins to mock the election results. This has been unrelenting in the nearly 540 days since the election. As was another facet of Trump's comment, he has nothing to back up his claims. The interview with Morgan was interesting in part because Trump rarely grants interviews in which the subject will be discussed. Usually, his interviews are conducted with longtime friends like Sean Hannity or flattering employees of far-right alternatives at Fox News 
Morgan, to his credit, was ready to push Trump harder than usual on the subject. The last time that happened, during a phone interview with NPR's Steve Inskeep, Trump hung up. Morgan's conversation with Trump was in person, which made it much harder to walk away. Trump is also wrong to say that Morgan broached the subject. They started talking about it when the TV host asked Trump to respond to comments made by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on January 13, 2021, blaming the Capitol riot on Trump's uh, feet. Quote, The press hates to write about it, but this election was rigged and it was stolen, Trump replied. Quote, 100%, I don't want to say a bit. After an aside, drawing a tired and inaccurate comparison to Hillary Clinton's complaints about the 2016 election, Trump added that, quote, I have evidence, and we have massive evidence. Unquote. What does this evidence that Trump says the press won't report? Because he's claimed it's like, quote, a co- like a communist country. Quote, take a look at the ballot harvest that took place, he said. Oh, yes, the allegations of harvesting the ballots. If you're not familiar, 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 it's a claim that has become central to the pro-Trump's rights efforts to undermine confidence in the election. And it looks like I've run out of time. This has been the Servative Hour. Thank you very much for listening, and good night to you all.